Welcome to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah! Yes! Uh, we <laughs> are... You're in the desert. <laughs> I am. I went to Joshua Tree. Because the air is... The air is really bad in Los Angeles. I looked it up on this, uh, I forget the website, but it's just like an air quality website. Yeah, Air Now, I'm probably, it's probably the one I've been using. Probably. And it shows like a little picture of a guy and he, it, like, it's like on Friday it was like unhealthy and it was in red and the little guy was wearing a, just like a face mask that we've all been wearing for COVID anyway. <laughs> and then it was like on Saturday... He was in a full fucking like hazmat face mask with like the little <laughs> eye holes. And it was like, I forget what the wording was, but it was like fucking extremely hazardous. <laughs> it's like, it like, what do you want to do? And Jess was like kind of bugging out like she just wanted to. I don't know. I, I think like we've just been in the house so long and Airbnb, I guess, has been like, OK, from what we've been reading about. Yeah, because so. people clean it and also people aren't. You're not on top of each other like the last person that might have stayed there, probably. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I so wish far, so good. We went to, we're now, we're, we left to Oakland and it was really hot up there and we missed this big like smoke disaster. But when we got back, shit. I normally swim now in the mornings, but it got, it's so, as you said, the, the, it's unhealthy. It's yellow outside for the last couple of days. The site I was on was like, don't exercise outside. It was like, yeah. don't do any, ex like anything to exert yourself outside. The fucking sky is brown. The sun is like this like pale red orb that you can like look at. You, you can, can look at it because there's it. just so much like shit in front of it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, probably don't look at it, but. For too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can stare at it. Go look at the sun. Go stare at it. Contemplate it <laughs> until your vision goes. <laughs> Go open your eyes wide and look at the sun. Yeah, I'm, and I'm also like Beth. Um, she'll exercise regularly inside. I yeah. have gotten into the routine of liking just to do like a simple swimming routine. So the last couple of days without that, I've just I've been lazy. I just slept in. Yeah, and it's yeah. It's not great. Because <laughs> I don't want to do the other workouts because I will be I know I'll be sore and I and I'm not committed to getting past that soreness and being fit. I mean, swimming's great for that reason. It's like doesn't fuck your body up. And uh, yeah, and it's still good for you. I'm loving it. That's cool. Because you got did we mention that you moved? I don't know. Podcast? We did move. Uh, to all and the your new address is <laughs> is the following. <laughs> uh, we are in Eagle Rock. We're more um, east, and it's great. I really love yeah. the neighborhood, even though everything is shut down. We can't. I went and checked out our our our, com our local comic book store. I did. Oh check yeah, them out. you're not going to be able to go to Secret Headquarters anymore. Uh, I Unless, will. I mean, you I'm gonna, are. I'm but gonna, Secret Headquarters is my spot. Yeah, um, they're not gonna like ban you for being. <laughs> yeah, I will probably for moving out of. I'll, I'll I'll decide what things I'll decide to pick up. It's called Comics versus Toys out here on in Eagle Rock. On um, the guy, the the owner, I met him, and I'm now I'm blanking on his name, and I feel bad. I feel like it was Travis or something, but I'm probably hundred percent wrong. But he was very nice because, <laughs> like, you know, they they limit how many people go in. 
So he just right. sort of has the door closed. And you, but he, I went in. I bought a couple of comic books just to support, and then nice. And then I gave him some stickers for the podcast. Hell yeah! <laughs> I'll, I'll continue to check it out. I don't know if I'll have all my all of my full time holds ever there, but if something comes up that I feel like would be benefit to have to let them have that subscription from me. Is it like, is it walking distance from your place? It's like 20 minutes. It's pretty, or yeah, about 20 minute walk. So I could okay. walk to it, but it's it's a bit of a walk. Once it's like fall, that would be nice. Yeah, but I still, I love Secret Headquarters and they're going to, I have all my subscriptions with them and I don't think I'm going <laughs> to change them anytime soon. I'll make, yeah. the, I'll make the trek. It'll be like a, you know what I mean? A little Christmas every time I go. Go back to the old neighborhood. <laughs> I just have to say, uh, Comics and Toys was great. It does have the aesthetic that I personally, not against, but it just doesn't do much for me in a comic book store, which is like very tight, a lot of clutter because there's collectibles along with comic books and things like that. That's just not yeah, my... Yeah, I guess that's the thing is like Secret Headquarters is like so curated and like at, for for a comic book store, like sparse, like minimum, cl- yes. uh, minimum amount of that clutter for sure. It's usually the clutter is like maybe they had an art show come through and it's on the walls. Right. And like that yeah. to me, the, the hardwood they have, they have the dark hardwood throughout the whole store. Everything feels a little elevated, which I just... That's what I love. It's like pretty, that's for sure. I don't hate a cluttered comic book shop, but that's <laughs> I I used to go to the shop Brave New Worlds in like uh in Pennsylvania. It moved from it was in Willow Grove and before that it was in <laughs> uh like Upper Darby or some shit. I forget where the fuck it was at first. Right. But yeah, it was a very like it was it was along the lines of like a cluttered. It was definitely a cluttered comic book store. I, uh, yeah. It was such a great shop. I wonder if they're still open. No, you have to look that up. My original, my comic book shops from my back home were one called Night Flight Comics. It's a, it was in a mall that no longer exists. Now I think they have a storefront <laughs> by the library. But I remember going to that one and always, that's where I would go get Spawn, my Spawn comics that I actually have. I never. You've been reading Spawn, right? I have. I think I, 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 I decided just uh, when we went on a little road trip up to Oakland, I was like, I'm gonna reread them because one, yeah. when I when I was a, a uh, when I was buying comic books, that first stage of my comic book history, buying Spawn comic books, I wasn't buying them because I didn't understand how it worked. I really didn't, and also I didn't have money on the regular. It was mainly like I started to try to understand that, like, oh, this is an ongoing storyline. I'd get my mom occasionally to buy me when I could. Like I remember yeah. going. There's a city in Salt Lake City called Bountiful, very tiny like town uh, north of where I lived. We were passing through, maybe seeing like my aunt and cousins, and we st- and she let me go into a comic book shop. And I remember that day I was when I bought Spawn issue Spawn number one, which I still have. That's awesome. I remember seeing it and going, "Mom, can I get that or something?" And she, I mean, if you see a number one on something as a kid too, I think that for me, I was like, number one, okay, that's uh, yeah. that's valuable and good. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I had no idea why. Like, I didn't know too much about. Like, nobody was there to be like, okay, here, like, you're buying two hundred forty three of this X Men run, so you're not going <laughs> to know what the fuck's going on. Yes, exactly. But I had like one, and then I have like six. These are the issues I think I had. I had like one. 
then six through like 13 or 15 or so. And then I have like a big gap and I would just pick up what I was at the store and I never was in there yeah. regularly. So I, my collection of spawn is very sporadic. There are characters that I've never read their issues about. There's a, like there's a character <laughs> that I think I have a toy for named Tremor. And I've never seen, I've never read a single issue that he was in. Because Spawn toys are just sick as hell. Yeah, I mean, me and my brother would, we'd scour the, the department stores or, are they called department stores? Like Because they would have them stuff. randomly or like Walmarts and shit would have yeah. them. We'd, we'd had a place Whoa, called Shop these tre- Tremor toys are awesome. Oh yeah, are you looking at which, the first one's pretty cool, but then the, the second one where he has like a pump in his back, I had that one. Don't know why he has that pump in his back, because again, I've never read the issues. Um, and some sort of cybernetic assassin of some sort. But so I've decided to go back That's and read cool. Spawn because I was like, I'd like to understand at least the first 50 issues because I think I have issue 50 maybe. Uh, or like I was like, I'm going to read up to 50 because I think I think 50. They're like at 300 now plus. But like 50, I, de- I definitely think there's a big event where the main character, Al Simmons, like faces the devil that. Malbolgia at that point. So I was like, I need to go back and like read the whole storyline and know it and have an opinion about it. That's like educated. It is, it's pretty fucking rough. <laughs> this is not a, is it just this like, is not a spawn podcast, but this is what we're talking about. <laughs> so funny. What were you going to say? Oh, I was say I, I forget if I brought this up before. Have you seen long shot? With uh, Seth uh, Rogen. And yes, I've seen it. I thought it was actually better than I thought it, much better than I thought it same. was going to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was like, I, I guess I didn't have super high expectations for it, but I was like, oh, this is like actually a pretty, a pretty funny, good movie. But a part that I loved was his like Seth Rogen at the end has a portrait of himself drawn by the <laughs> by the Spawn artist. It's Todd like, McFarlane. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, it's like, it's by Todd McFarlane, the <laughs> artist from Spawn. It's like. Very, very funny. That is yeah. very... I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, I highly respect Todd McFarlane. I really do. And I do... Th- I, I, oh, yeah. I think he changed... He's one of the f- the people that changed the world of comic books, especially when it needed, like, a, a revival and, like, and again, creator-owned. He, he was a pioneer of that going forward. Yeah, he just made shit look cool for, yeah. for like, 12-year-olds. His know? writing is really hard to get through, returning to it. There's there's so many words. It's, like, it's, it's, it, it's, it, yeah, it's dense. You can tell that he is, like, again, he probably has changed now, but I'm very, yeah, it's very dense, but... Some of it is just oh, but dense in a way that's like it's not like an Alan Moore kind of thing where it's like prose basically, where it's like poetry and you want to read all of it. It's like this is this could have been edited a little bit, a lot, a lot of editing yeah. could have been done because you're just like yeah, yeah it feels like that's yeah, a great example. I feel like he does want to be Alan Moore, he does want to be like a Stanley, which I understand, but he clearly isn't, and I think he would yeah. he would have benefited again from editing. Uh, and very it's, talented I think, dude who's like made great <laughs> comics, but yeah, it's like that just shows you like it kind of you know whether it was like aged poorly or you know whether it was always like oh this is okay, <laughs> like you know we you should just make something it doesn't have to be perfect I guess. Um, and it's funny because apparently I, I I was reading a little bit online after I read the the issues. Oh, I have like issue five and so forth. I think. Because issue five is Billy Kincaid and a bunch of others. But there are issues in his first 
10 episodes, 10 issues or more uh, that are written by other writers. And people point out that like a lot of the mythos beyond like the first setup of the premise of the comic with Spawn and his limited powers and what's going on. Neil Gaiman comes in. <laughs> this is where Angela, the famous character that now Marvel has, which is weird, you know, that Neil Gaiman created for in Spawn. Oh. She comes in. She's introduced by Neil Gaiman, and he sets up a lot of mythos for Spawn. Alan Moore writes a whole issue that takes place in the hell of, of Spawn's world, and he establishes all that. There's a bunch of stuff that people point out that like other writers that he hired like Alan Moore and Neil Gaming brought he brought in that set up more of the mythos than he did, <laughs> which is really fascinating. Those issues are really good. And, and Grant Morrison writes like a two-parter, I think, later on, too, um, that I haven't got to yet. Um, he brings nice. in a bunch of... And then apparently this, I didn't know this, and I would love to hear if you know anything. Did you know that book or ever heard of that book, Cerebus, The Pig Guy? That's like black and white. No. I think. Oh well, I like know about. I never I, read I it know either. the character, but I, I've never read any of it. Yeah, he's an aardvark, isn't he? Yeah, aardvark. That's right. He's an aardvark. Sorry, thank you. But he you're definitely right. looks like a fuck. He, he looks I'm like going to say pig. pig, and then you're going to correct me, which you should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you did. He. So there's an issue where that character interacts with Spawn, and it's super meta because the writer, the writer that wrote of for that course. book, was meta anyway. Like. Right. And I went down like a little wormhole and apparently that writer Sims or Dave Sims or something like that. Um, he is very controversial. Pretty much has made a lot of uh, sh uh, sh uh, misogynist uh, stuff and then claims not to be misogynist um, in his writing, especially with that character and stuff. And he's a little like very creator own, like like Dave Sim. Yeah, Dave Sim. He's like very. Yeah. Radical, and I, I, I radical is only a word I'm using with lack of a better word to give him. But a lot of people have like yeah. been like, yeah, we want to be all creator owned, but he's like every character should be. This is me very simplifying his thoughts, but pretty much every character, including my own, should be like public domain immediately, and we should all be able to use them. It's huh. pretty wild, but he's very controversial now, and it's interesting because in the Origins Collection, his his issue is left out. But there's no explanation to why. And I'm wondering if it's because he sort of has become like a controversial comic book guy. He sort of is associated with all the like the alt-right. Because there's a bunch of alt-right comic books out there if you dive into it. It's fucking wild. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> but I found that fascinating. That comic book is so meta. There's a whole part. <laughs> you should just you should download on Hoopla and read it. It's issue 10 of Spawn. Where like Spawn is in like this purgatory and there's a bunch of heroes. They're clearly characters from DC and Marvel behind bars. There's guys on a wall, lined up on a wall with hoods over their head. Like they look like they're about to be executed. And they're the creators. They're the creators of this. Oh my it's God. fucking so insane. It's so Shut fucking up. crazy, like the 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 like commentary, like the insane commentary about comic the comic book culture at the time. You're literally getting published. <laughs> like, do you feel that oppressed? You're getting published. You have like major publications. Your your word is getting out there. Like nobody's silencing you, idiot. That is our spawn rant. Very funny that I decided to reread it, and I was a huge fan of it. I'm excited to reread it. Moving on. To more and better things than Spawn. <laughs> and this is great. We have a segment that only comes up once in a while. 
there could be more if you out there would add to it. <laughs> but this is, a, we have ourselves a boom review. Boom. I like that heavy layer of guilt <laughs> leading yeah, up to I'm, the boom review. I'm putting guilt on all the listeners. We wish we could do this segment more. But you don't want nice things. <laughs> this boom review uh, hit uh, the account on August 20th, 2020. This is from Amias, A-M-I-A-S-C. That's the name on the, the review itself on Apple Podcasts. And it is titled Boom. They're really letting us know it's a boom review. Hell yeah. Thank you for this. And they say, Kate and Mark share their new and renewed appreciation to the mystic and atmospheric Mignolaverse. Their podcast is insightful, exuberant, and modest as they share recent and former stories, news, and updates of everyone's favorite paranormal detective. So, oh, that's yeah. a great review. That's so a nice. great review. I love. Thank you. I love though using the word modest for how fucking dumb we are. <laughs> <laughs> I would say. I mean, we do say it once an episode that we're getting things wrong and that people, <laughs> yeah, could, you know, are welcoming corrections. For I would sure. say that that is, uh, you Very know, accurate. I'll take it. <laughs> Imagine if we were so modest that we couldn't even like call ourselves modest. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're, we're not, not modest, modest enough. <laughs> <laughs> I would hate us if we were that way. <laughs> just that annoying. <sighs> but that was great. No, we're not that way. We're just on the cusp. Yeah. Thank you for that review. That was a wonderful review. Reminder That's to awesome. all of that you out great. there, if you give us a five-star <laughs> review on Apple Podcasts and it starts with the word boom, it can, the boom could be in the review. It doesn't. It can be in the title like that. Whatever it is, if you give us a boom review, we'll give you a shout-out and praise you right here on the show. Yeah. Amia C, also, Amia C, if you're listening to this right now, shoot us an email at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Um and we'll 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 correspond, and I can get you some stickers. That would be great. I'll yeah. send you some stickers. Boom reviews equal stickers. People I've just added that to the deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love. How I have to bribe people stickers, to like our baby. show. <laughs> Dude, I just bought all these. Um, there were all these Love and Rockets stickers that went on sale recently, and oh, I bought cool. them, and I feel like. I was like, I'm not going to buy these. These are like, I can't right now. Like I shouldn't. And they were like 30 bucks. And I was like, I guess if it was a print, I'm just going to frame them. So I'm like, if it was a print, it would be like about the same, whatever. It's, it's too much money for stickers, but I, I still bought them. Yeah. I bought. I'm sure everyone can relate to buying comic book stuff that they probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can 100%. <laughs> yeah. That's that's going to make me add a little segment in here in the moment because uh, the time will be passed. But so the Lightbox Expo is going on this weekend. There's a lot of cool events that are going on through it. But I like looked up and I don't have the money right now to really spend. But if you had paid $40 yeah. for your ticket, you'd get a Mike Mignola uh, tote bag. And I'll be honest, it oh, looks cool fuck. as hell. It looks fucking cool as hell. I just, I don't. Could we still register? I think we can. I really kind of, yeah, I kind of want it. I love you're <laughs> holding your head. I really want it, but I just I don't, mean, <laughs> I, I, I just feel, I honestly, with my bills and like unemployment and just yeah, barely getting by on part time, I feel terrible exactly. that I can't support it. 
And I re- that tote bag looks fucking awesome. If anything, I wish I could purchase the tote cool. bag to give away to a, a listener later on on a giveaway or something. That would be fucking sweet. So I apologize to everybody. Oh, it would be hard to pr- <laughs> to pry that from my cold dead hands if I, uh, you know, <laughs> if I did end up registering for forty bucks, I'd be like, "This my tote bag for sure, <laughs> forever." I mean, it looks cool. Whoever's out there listening, if you got it, send us a picture of you holding your tote bag because we'd love just to live. I would love to oh, live vicariously yeah, through you. This is fucking sick. It's like a, it's like a cool black and white, like sweet, like fucking skeletal guy. Oh, dude, you can buy it separately, and it's fifteen dollars. Are you serious? I'm sending you this. Yeah, I'm sending you this link right now. Oh, what? Without a ticket? I I think so. I think so. I assume this is the same tote bag. Well, we'll have to confirm. Anyway, but- sorry. That's fine. I think the events at the Lightbox, I thought about wanting to go. There's one about the MC, the future of the MCU through like the design uh, aspect. And I, I was like, oh, that would be a cool thing to listen to. But again, like we were talking right now, this is this is a sad segment of hell to pay because I can't afford anything. <laughs> right. I mean, that's half the time anyway. It's like, oh, here's some PVC figures. They're $600. And it's like, well, fuck, I can't do that. Yeah, it's rough. It's sad. But one day, one day, we'll <laughs> buy all this stuff. If I just want to see if you guys got the tote bag yourselves or enjoyed, I'd love to hear if you went to Lightbox and, and anything stood out for you. Let us know. Send us an email. Um, yeah. But that is a little unplanned uh, hell hell to pay. <laughs> and why I didn't have that planned was because I was really excited for this next segment. Um, the one we can't, once again, do without all you out there. It's Oh boy, email. Email, <laughs> yeah. We have two wonderful emails that I'm excited to cover. This first one comes from Brandon McVee. Um, I believe this is his first time emailing us, which is awesome. So thank you, Brandon. His email is titled Vampire of Prague. Um, there's a visual with this, which I will post on at least the day of this podcast drop or a day or two after but it will be on our feed uh, once the episode goes live. This is so cool. So Brandon says, Hi, crappers. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I love it. I just listened to your Vampire of Prague episode. I was actually just in Prague myself last October. Because of this story and Mike's comments on it, I went looking for that puppet shop on the castle side of the Charles Mike, uh, of the Charles Mike mentioned. Now only now only did I find it, not only, sorry, not only did I find it, but they had this little beauty for sale. And this picture um, is a little, I mean, he has a picture of just the marionette shop, and he and they have created a Hellboy marionette. Can you describe that for them, Kate? It's so fucking cool. Dude, it's, so it's like an awesome marionette with, it looks like it's carved of ancient wood or something. Yeah. It's. Got these beautiful, like, slightly paler tones. Like, it it looks like it's almost like the wood is stained rather than painted. It's not like a super bright red. It's like sort of this cool pale orangey red kind of stain on the wood with, like, the darker accents of Hellboy's, like, right hand of doom and his um, hooves that have, like, the straps and stuff like that and his hair on his, uh, like, his sideburns and stuff like that. And he's got the full long horns. Yeah, and they're so long. Cool, they're like out of- real, real. Oh yeah, they're like out of the frame. <laughs> yeah. And then the he's got like a real cloth, like duster. His jacket is real, and he's got a long 
articulated tail. So it looks like you could, you ever go to like a parade and see those like fake uh, little lizards that are on a, yes. um, a wire that looks like you're walking them? That's almost what it makes me think of. Like, I bet it moves like that. I would love to see it like in action, like somebody puppeteering it, but I'm sure it's, you know, he mentions the price and I'm sure that they weren't letting people just pick this thing up. Yeah. Um, I love the- Did you already read the price? I was going to read that next. And I love that he has, a, oh, yeah. I love that it has a cigar too in his mouth. <laughs> it, yeah. It's so fun. But this is what he, Yeah, he's got a huge cigar. Yeah. All right. He's really chomping on it too. <laughs> yeah. It's it's wonderful. And this is what he he continued to say. Of course, what we're looking at is a gorgeous Hellboy marionette with long horns. Needless to say, I really wanted to pick it up, but it was 50,000 Czech corona. Corona, I hope that's how you say that currency or about 2300 US dollars. That's wild. <laughs> Which was just yeah. a little outside my budget. Anyway, here's the way Which makes me think it really it really must be like carved wood then. Oh, it for must sure. be like it looks like it's not just like some uh, I don't know, some sort of like foam or something. It's like it must be real wood. It must be like the way that they make these marionettes all the time this like traditional way of making them or something it fucking looks awesome it looks fucking awesome. i mean it has to have been hand yeah hand carved that's probably why the price for sure so yeah high. so he says anyway here's the website for that pu- that puppet shop which is www.marionettes.cz they used it to ha- they used to have it for sale there but i'm not seeing it now Anyway, thanks for the show and all the hours of entertainment. Yay. Yeah, thank you, Brenda. But he quickly did an addendum. Thanks for saying that email. It's so cool. It's such a cool email. And then he addendumed it real quick and says it's still available on the site and sent us the link to (laughs) buy this marionette. So for all you listeners that are really wanting to have the absolute, absolute craziest piece to your Hellboy collectors. It is one of a kind. It's like a totally unique thing. Yeah. I'm going to take this link that he shared with us. I'm going to put it on our link tree. (laughs) So if you're a fucking listener and you want to buy it, buy it. And I would... I feel like if you're like, if you're like Del Toro or something, you could buy it. (laughs) Like you would be... Or like if you're Mignola himself. (laughs) I mean, I bet there's somebody out there that can buy it that's not... 2K liner. Somebody. I bet I bet we have one listener out there that would buy this for the prices. Yeah, yeah. But if you're Mignola, I mean, he's having an assistant buy it for him. <laughs> sure. Uh, or it does look like <laughs> something you're right that it would be in like Guillermo del Toro's like shop. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but here's the website for y'all if you want to not wait until it's on my our link tree: www.marionettes.cz/en-usd/slash Detail slash seven seven nine dash hell dash boy. Go get it. If you bought <laughs> if HTTP Cola. Ah, yeah. It's so silly to say that all out loud. But I want somebody, <laughs> one of our listeners, to own this marionette and send and take that marionette. Learn how to be a puppeteer, or you're already one, yeah. and put it to work and send us videos of this marionette. <laughs> Move it around along with, like, vo- voiceover from the one of the movies. <laughs> Just make us a movie, basically. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's all we're asking for. 
But thank you, Brandon, for bringing that to our attention because that's a great email. Yeah. So cool. All right. Our next email um, is titled Long Time No Email. Dot, dot, dot. This comes from uh, Josh. He's a previous emailer to us. Here's his email. He says, hey, MDC and Kate, long time no email. We don't care when they come. Thank you for them. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate them. Yes. Firstly, I hope both yourselves and all the crappers are staying safe and well in this crazy year, which is starting to feel like our very own apocalyptic BPRD story. (laughs) Very true. Yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah. (laughs) Especially with... The way it's looking in in California and Los Angeles with the skies that we've discussed, I'm straight up. We it's are evil. Yeah, it's an evil time. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. I hope I, I hope I don't die. I have asthma, so uh, stay inside, man. For real, I still feel like you can smell it inside your houses. That's what sucks. Yeah, it's rough. Okay, <laughs> and then he said <laughs> he continues. Second, I've only just caught up with your last ten or so episodes as I've been busy having my very own hell baby. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. I love hell, hell baby. baby. <laughs> my own little hell boy fan. It's so great. It's so great. And this is really funny. This is So you have a good excuse for not emailing this podcast. Yeah. You were living <laughs> I'm taking a- care of my child. Taking care of a child, you're having you're living a real life. <laughs> right. <laughs> And he, he, in addition to his hell baby, this is what he says. He says, I tried to convince my girlfriend that Angnun Un Rama was a great name. <laughs> I mean, you're exactly it's right. It's totally true. We support it. It should at least be the middle name. But she insisted <laughs> on George. Well, that's a nice that name, That is a too. cute name for your hell baby, George. It's a great name. So we wish you and George and your girlfriend the best. A little kid best. named George. <laughs> a little kid named George is adorable. That's a very cute picture. Uh, I love it. Anyway, Anunga and Rama, get down from there. Anunga and Rama. Or do you, yeah. and Rama. Anunga. What are you going to shorter it to? Rama or Anung? Yeah, probably Rama. Rama. Probably Rama. No, Rama. Get down from there. I feel like I'm saying it to a dog, not a human baby. A little kid. Get that sugar out of your mouth. You eat your vegetables, Rama. Eat your vegetables. Oh, we're not going to be good parents. (laughs) No. (laughs) Just screaming at our child. (laughs) And then he continues. He says, anyway, I noticed MDC. You mentioned the Punisher short film, Dirty Laundry. I couldn't remember the name, so thank you for reminding me. It's called Dirty Laundry. (laughs) Starring Thomas Jane. But you failed to mention that it also stars many people's favorite Hellboy, Ron Perlman, Ron Perlman, as the convenience store owner. I totally forgot that. So thank you for reminding me that Ron Perlman is part of that great short film. He says, it's a small detail, but a further link to the Hellboy world, I suppose. It's a great. Hell Hell yeah. yeah. Thank you for reminding me of that, because I didn't even go back and watch it after I mentioned it. Uh, So I haven't seen it for quite a while. I need to rewatch it. You know what I forgot Ron Perlman was in? Uh, Pacific Ram. Yeah, he's. A, I think we talked about. He's this a fun character. Recently. I mean, he's a Guillermo. He's a. Gr- I love that character in there. He's such like he's the black market guy, right? Yeah, he's like selling pieces of the of the 
Um, the, cow- the kaiju, yeah. Kaiju, yeah. Yeah, I like that character. In that. I mean, he's always, even if I don't love the, the Guillermo del Moro, even though I do like Pacific Rim quite a lot. It's, it's such cool. a fun movie. And like Blade 2 has its oh, fun, yeah. but like I'm not a huge fan of it. But um, he's he's a sh- I love Blade as a series. I just think it's yeah, great. It's a, I, it's a fun one. I like Wesley Snipes as well. Um, but Ron Perlman's yeah. character in that is really shitty and fun. Like he plays a shitty character and I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's great in Children of City, City of Lost Children. What is it called? That French movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm feeling dumb that I can't remember that French movie. That's where I got introduced to Ron Perlman. But that's a really fun other, another Ron Perlman hit. City of Lost Children. City of Lost Children. Yeah. Really fun. Yeah. Movie. Visually great. Crazy movie. Yeah. And then uh, he continues. Also, one of your recent guests mentioned they were in a band, which got to be, be got me thinking if the main cast of the BPRD series were in a band, who would play <laughs> what and what would their band name be? Now, he offers his suggestion <laughs> first. So let's see. He says, I think Abe, lead singer, great move, great mover. <laughs> Uh, Liz, drums. <laughs> Who doesn't love a female drummer? Hellboy, bass. Imagine the upstrum uh, from that right hand. That is true. Hell yeah. Ben uh, Daimio, lead guitar, edgy guitarist, is a must. <laughs> uh, Johan, <laughs> keyboards. Which band nowadays doesn't have an eccentric keyboardist? Very true. It's like a new staple. <laughs> So that's already a cool <laughs> band. I mean, I, I think he, he, he has some, a lot of fun ideas in there. That's very good. Yeah, it's awesome. Before we get to his names, any ideas on what your lineup would be, Kate? I agree that I think that Abe would be a great singer, like front man. He's already shirtless. I imagine a lot of like, I, I don't know, just a lot of like what, what kind of fast metal so, bands. So this could be any band, right? So you're, you're going metal is what you just said? Because I like when yeah. I read his lineup and his reasons why, some of it made me feel like it's the band that he created. And he can correct us on another email if he wants. <laughs> I, when I read your lineup and your reasons why people are in their position, I kept thinking this is an Aerosmith band. <laughs> like that's what like I, a rock, a rock, like a straight up rock, straight band. Up rock band, especially because he said a was a great mover. And I was like. Oh, so you imagine him like shimmying yeah. around with like scarves on his yeah, he's uh, a Steven Tyler. microphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's so what funny. I was thinking. So you're going metal, though, okay? Yeah, I was going a little, okay. but I've just been listening to a lot of uh, a lot more metal lately, like different kinds of metal lately. So understand. So it's in my head. Great, metal's fun. Um, I was watching. I was watching that show, Love on the Love on the Spectrum. And one of the I fucking love that show, so good. Dude. One of them was wearing a it's so good an in flames uh, t shirt. <laughs> one of the like stars of the show, and I was like, that guy, uh, that guy on the spectrum loves fucking in flames. Awesome. <laughs> Which guy was wearing it? Uh, I'd have to go back and look, but they definitely when they there's there's like an episode where he's wearing in flames, and I got super excited. That's so funny, and it made me listen to the to the album. Or the album I like of them. I've, the, they're just, like, it's such a good show. It's just so good. Very it's, good. like, the most watchable reality show. Like, I usually hate reality shows just because they make me really embarrassed. Like, right. you watch them and it's, like, it's, like, so cringy and, like, everybody's just there to to 
be on TV or whatever, but you never get the sense that any of these guys are there to get famous in any kind of a way. It's mm-hmm. just like they're just there for what they say they're there for, which is to find a romantic partner. <laughs> and it's like so sweet and good. It's it's great. I fucking love that show. Ooh, I love it. It is great. That's our little. And that's so our the plug. One guy, that's our plug for the spectrum. Well, yeah, spectrum. go watch that. It's so well, good. What are we gonna say? Oh, there's a line that uh, the one guy says in the very first episode when he compares himself to his brother, and I don't even want to spoil it. I want people to go watch it because it's even if you only watch the first episode just to watch this guy talk about him versus his brother and like yeah. how they interact with women. It made me laugh so fucking hard. I I was like, I'm sold on this show. I'm going to watch the whole rest of this yeah, show. Completely so, based on that one guy. That guy is one of the best. I know exactly who you're talking about. He's so he's, funny. He's, he makes his parents laugh the whole time. It's so funny. Yeah, his parents are like cracking up because he's like <laughs> making good points. He just says them in such a matter of fact, yes. like blunt way. It's so it's funny. So good. Um, okay, so who you're making your battle band. What are, what are, where, what are, where, who was in it? What are they, what are they playing? Go for it. Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, Abe would still be the front man. I bet he can hit like all kinds of high weird notes with his like aquatic qualities. Like almost like a, not like a dolphin, but like he could hit like a high note. For sure. I kind of want to put Hellboy on drums just because his, he'll be like, his hand hits so hard, like I feel like uh, I'm just yeah, imagining with the right-handed dude. Yeah, uh, like I want, I want to see Hellboy drum with a, a, uh, a double pedal, like bongos. The, oh yeah, do- okay. You you made bongos. like this hand motion. I was, I was trying like, to do, do pedals, not bongos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm trying to think what those are called, and I couldn't. Yeah, like the of- bass pedals, like the the yeah the bass drum like double yeah. pedal thing. He's got the little hooves. Yeah, he's got the little hooves on there. He doesn't even need like a drumstick on his right hand of doom. He's just <laughs> smashing it. Yeah, I'll put I'll put Liz on guitar. She's got fire. She's got like flames coming off of the guitar, and it looks really cool. Nice. Johan, I'll say writes the lyrics, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe plays like maybe he plays like I guess he would play bass. I mean, how how into maybe like Roger is still there and he plays bass. That's cool. It could be anybody. I love that. And Johan plays like the keyboard. He's like on the keys or something. He's like hitting like the spooky sounds and shit like that. Nice. I love it. Yeah. Something like that. I love it. I love it. I'm trying to this think. Was a, this was a draw. This was a, we did this as a, one of the drawing segments, right? That we. Yeah, I think we did, did a long time ago. <laughs> I, I was like, we did this. and But it's yeah. fun to revisit again. I wish I actually fucking followed through and did them so I could see what we, what we, like what we were thinking about. I feel like we even talked about what they would be playing. Yeah. But anyway. But it's fun. I mean, now I'm like thinking of it like, that's a metal band. I think. Josh is a very r- traditional rock band. I was like, what kind of band do I want to make? And I was like, I'm going to go punk. I'm, cool. I'm doing it in the moment. I'm going to go punk. I want it to be like a punk band. <laughs> and I don't mean pop punk. I mean some dirty fucking no. punk. I need like yeah. bad brains, early fucking dirty fucking rock. Hell yeah. Punk. <laughs> uh, it can lean into hardcore at times. I definitely think I'm going to have... If that be that being said, I think I gotta put I gotta put also um, Hellboy on drums. I think in a punk band, Hellboy Hellboy just seems for me is the drummer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Liz is on vocals. It's just the you know. It's what? What are you gonna say? Yeah. Oh, that's good. 
Yeah, he just seems like heavy. He just seems like he would make a ton of sound. That's all. Uh, yes, 100%. I think Liz Liz for <laughs> me is on vocals. She doesn't play a guitar all the time, but occasionally she'll, she'll pick up one. Sure. It doesn't mean she doesn't play. She just doesn't. She's doing like rhythm guitar. She's not like the lead yes, guitarist. Exactly. Okay. I think my lead guitar is going to be Abe for cool. this. And then I'm like, I think there's, I think for a punk band for me, I don't, I want it that simple. I don't want it. I just, yeah. the three of them are going to be my punk band and that's it. I think yeah. Johan is going to start a craft work type of band. <laughs> <laughs> him, him and Roger, him, Roger, and like, um, Andrew Devin. Devin. And they're all together in their craftworky band. Yeah, I think Andrew Devin, <laughs> Johan, and Roger are in a you in a craftwork band where they're just all on fucking <laughs> <laughs> moogs and and, and <laughs> machines. Do you know what I mean? Uh, just like four guys with keyboards. Yeah, craftwork. Maybe if they want to get a little dancey, they bring a little a little touch of Daft Punk if they want. <laughs> uh, that's 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 what I think goes there. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Kate, I'm gonna. I mean, I think Kate Corrigan's in that band too. I think there's four of them. I think there's four. Oh of them. yeah. Kate, Kate, Devin, Johan, and Rogers start that Kraftwerk inspired band. <laughs> Sick. Uh, I don't. I'm sorry. Sick as hell. Ben is Ben. I don't know what Ben's in. I mean, he's. <laughs> Uh, We're off on a really good tangent. We are off on a great tangent. <laughs> I want him to be like a solo. Ben's a solo artist of like something like. Um, he's like a zone singer songwriter kind of guy. I think he's a little crazier. He's like, um, oh, my God, there's that artist. Ugh, Zach Hill does this artist. What is his name? Oh, my God. There's this drummer named Zach Hill, and he works with this other artist. It does sort of like uh, rap stuff. Death Grips. Have you ever heard of Death Grips? No. You look up Death Grips. That's what I think. Pretty wild. It's like experimental hip hop. It's very intense and fast. That's what I I think Ben does that solo. (laughs) Oh, and I wanted to add to Josh's, his little rock and roll band. I think they are managed by Tom Manning. (laughs) (laughs) You okay? Now we're getting really into it. Yeah. Okay. And the publishers are <laughs> so funny. But okay. So moving on though, on this tangent with Josh's email, he has as for the name. So here's his pitches for his band's name: Anung Unramas. You good? Nice. Right fists of doom. Pretty great. Abe and the fish sticks, <laughs> which is a call out for Sandra. Very good. And he's like, I don't know, but I look forward to hearing what you both and the other crappers think. So. Yeah, we want to hear other people's ideas of what bands are going to Give make. us your lineup. Do you have a name for maybe yours, Kate? Your your uh, metal band? <sighs> right Hand of Doom sounds pretty good. Like, it's a little long, but... Or like Hand of Doom. I don't know. BBRD reminds me of... There's this band, Millions of Dead Cops. <laughs> but they, they just call themselves MDC. Love Mark it. David Christensen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Love it. But, yeah... They're they're like a punk band that's like goes by MDC, but that's what it's, I'm look I, I I never put that together. Yeah, <laughs> I never put that together that it was your same initials. Oh, uh, I'm gonna have to, I definitely have to look that up. Yeah, um, I think my punk band is gonna be called just simply they go by the Bureau. 
Nice. <laughs> I think Ben's Ben's solo act is an experimental song. It's just called Jaguar. That's just it. Jaguar. I like it. <laughs> and now uh, for the Craftwork band, I think they call themselves either Humunculus. They just call themselves Humunculus or... They're Lovecraft work. <laughs> That's what you're calling them? Lovecraft work? That's very <laughs> yeah. funny. It's <laughs> dumb. Um, dumb as hell. <laughs> I'll have to think on that. I mean, there's something in there that I'm like, oh yeah, that would be really fun for them to have a name. But I don't know. I don't know. I like the names that Josh gave his band. I think I would pitch this for his band. Instead of right fists of doom, I think it's just right fist of doom for his. Just singular. Nice. I think the collective, the band themselves, is right fist of doom. But um, that's a great email. You got us going on this tangent that wiped our <laughs> brains out and slowed us down. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the search for the perfect name for our... Melted our brains. Hy- My brain's... <laughs> Is burning like a fucking tire fire right now. Hypothetical questions are what ruin us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he ends his email by saying, all the best and stay safe, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Congratulations on your kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on George. For George, congrats. That's so cool. Can't wait for you to introduce George to Hellboy. Aw, yeah. It'll be fun. Pam cake. But that's it for this segment of Oh Boy Email. Um, reminder, all you listeners, if you want to email us, you can email us directly at awcrapahelpboypodcast at gmail.com. Tell us any of your thoughts for anything we've reviewed or discussed on any podcast episode, as well as for this one specifically, if you got any hypothetical bands, the lineups and the names that take place in the (laughs) BPRD, the Mignolaverse, please let us know. Us and Josh desperately want to know. (laughs) (laughs) but that's it that's it for oh boy email now we're gonna move on to the final chapter of lobster johnson the iron prometheus Woo! so kate give us some credits um and then recap the where we left off and let's jump into chapter five oh yeah so yeah written by mike mignola illustrated by jason armstrong colored by dave stewart lettered by clem robbins and edited by scott alley boo and it was published back in January 2008, uh, this issue. Yeah, we sort of left off with, like, all hell breaking loose in the this, like, Jersey warehouse where, like, the doctor's brain had been removed and then shot and, like, like uh, the suit collecting all this power and then exploding and destroying, like, everything in the building. And then Lobster Johnson sort of escaping through this watery tunnel And then he runs into these like Nazi thugs and Lobster Johnson's buddies are fighting the like Yeti like creature from the beginning. And then Lobster Johnson's fighting a fucking baboon. (laughs) It's just like madness, complete madness. And then in chapter five, which has like a really cool, I, I like this cover a lot. It has like a fun, like like a Japanese looking dragon yes. with like the cool whiskers and stuff like that. Of course, it's like, I guess it's, technically like a sort of a fucking like a hyperborean dragon yeah but i don't know how like i don't know what is based on what like what is i i don't know it to me it's really reminiscent of like a japanese or chinese dragon and then we see these like a lot of like hyperborean like symbols in the cover too which we'll see shortly just lobster johnson this is probably one of my favorite like renditions of him as a character yeah he looks really cool 
And we have a big swastika. <laughs> yeah, of course. A big <laughs> of course, Nazis are involved. They're here. We see sort of the fallout from the factory. Lobster Johnson's buddies are in there lo- taking a look around like everything's completely fucked up. Lobster Johnson's having like a sort of hallucination where he's seeing, uh, oh my God, I can't think of his name right now. Aman Saw. Um, you say it so much better. Oh yeah. Saw. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's he's there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I said his name wrong. You can't think of the name. There goes all of our five <laughs> star reviews. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> the stars are decreasing as we speak. Uh, yeah. So he sees him and he's like, he's like, you're a fucking monster. You're toast. And he's like, guess what? You're on the bones of Hyperborea and I'm going to bring that shit back and all other kingdoms will bow to me and you have to do whatever I say. And I'm branding you on the chest with this symbol that we've seen on all of the like minions Mm -hmm. up to this point. And he sort of like screams and seems to feel the pain of it. But in the real world, like outside of this hallucination, he's being grabbed by these two um, thugs yeah, and they're starts like, like Nazi henchmen and, in a sense. Yeah, they're like American gangsters who are working with the Nazis. So bad guys. And they sort of knock Lobster Johnson back out. The Nazis are like, okay, uh, where's the suit? You said you were going to give it to us. And they were like, oh, well, here's the helmet. And he's like, well, fuck off because <laughs> that's not as much as I want. Um, stay out of New York. And he's like, don't you want this guy? This is Lobster Johnson. All of your spies and everybody that you have come in and come in here, they're dead because of this guy. And they're like, oh, yeah, he sounds dangerous. You should shoot him. Like they don't give two fucks about Lobster Johnson. (laughs) They just leave. This Nazi uh, officer basically is like, I can't go back to Hitler with just this helmet. He's going to be pissed. We better do something big and blow up Manhattan Uh, because Hitler will like that. He'll think that's totally cool. (laughs) They hop on a mini sub. (laughs) They hop on this mini sub, this little Nazi mini sub, swastika branded uh, Nazi sub. And they're like, "Okay, uh, head back to our big main Nazi sub where we can shoot off some big ass torpedoes and blow up Manhattan. Meanwhile, Lobster Johnson kind of creeps up behind the shoulders of these two New York gangsters who are in the sewer with him. You see like blam, blam. And you're the Nazis are assuming that. It's the gangsters killing Lobster Johnson, but of course we know Lobster Johnson bested them and killed them in that sewer. (laughs) Lobster Johnson leaps into the water and swims after this Nazi submarine. They find out he's outside and like this big bulky Nazi scuba diver swims out there and they have an underwater fight with knives uh, which is really fun and crazy. Yeah, and his outfit um, is so funny that he has like a wetsuit with a swastika on it. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, Nazis just really overdo it with the branding on everything. <laughs> it's like the Nike logo or something yes. to these guys. Just on fucking every sub, every like porthole. Sorry, I burped. <laughs> they're, they're, cat, they're phrased instead of just, excuse your burp, but instead of just do it, Nazis, <laughs> it's the swastika and then it says just oppress it. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Who was their, like, leader of their uh, fucking, all of their, like, propaganda and shit? You're like the Ani Riefenstahl of... Yeah, that that, that woman filmmaker who's, like, 
yeah, revered yeah. as a filmmaker. Lenny, Lenny Riefenstahl. Lenny Riefenstahl. Lenny Riefenstahl. Just oppressive. Yeah, she's bad news. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. He's the this uh, Nazi scuba diver has this cool looking like uh, what do you call him? Uh, fucking you know Scoop. one of these guys. He's got like a scuba um, punchy punchy metal guy. Holy shit. My he brain is mess. truly fucking melted. Um, are you talking about his iron hand? Yeah, but like what am I thinking of? A weapon? The weapon that you just has little hand, finger holes and you put it in there and then you're holding it. Oh, and then you can punch uh, stuff really fucking brass hard. Brass knuckles? Brass knuckles. Holy shit. I'm having like a true breakdown of my fucking <laughs> mental capacity right now. Like, can't think. Well, okay, he has so a the whole, Nazi has brass knuckles. But he has a whole yeah, metal a whole hand. hand. I don't know if it's just brass with, like, knuckles. like articulated fingers and shit. That's true. Forget all of that. <laughs> um, anyway, he starts like, he's trying to like wallop Lobster Johnson. An underwater fight with punching seems very funny to me because, like, your hand would go so slow it, like, wouldn't do shit. Yeah. The knife sort of makes sense, but the punching is ridiculous to me. It's very silly. Yeah, like, um, how would you... Like, have you ever, have you ever seen the, the movie Top Secret? An old, like... No. It's an early Zucker Brothers movie. The guys that did Airplane and stars Val Kilmer. And they do a really fun... Oh, I have seen Top Secret. You I just have. don't have tons of memory of it. There's a whole scene where they fight, like have a bar fight, like a Western bar fight underwater. And yeah, it's ridiculous. And you're... Pun- I, yeah, it's just so dumb. I, I kind of want to go outside right now into the our landlord's pool and see if I can throw a punch <laughs> underwater. Because you're right. It would it, be so slow. <laughs> it would be... You're I mean, so much force like to get through... To even make yeah, the impact. Yeah, it would be Would the impact pathetic. even be, be that pathetic. bad? But people punch sharks. It would sharks. probably hurt. It wouldn't, it wouldn't feel good, but it would be like, it, it just wouldn't like knock you out. True. Lobster Johnson's been holding his breath for like 10 minutes. Well, he put on a gas point. mask. I think that thing is implied that that has oxygen in it. Oh, I see. I, I think, see now. I think that's, I think yes. that contraption is some sort of contraption that allows him to breathe underwater. You're absolutely right. Oh, and then so the Nazi punches it off his face. I see now. I'm a goof. Punches the his breathing apparatus off of his yeah. face. They're approaching the huge Nazi sub where they're going to release these big ass bombs to blow up Manhattan. Uh, Lobster Johnson's uh, suit, his like his chest is exposed and he's got that Hyperborean symbol on his chest and... Instead of a brand, it's one of the necklaces that we've been seeing, like one of the um, amulets that everybody's been wearing. So he notices it and then notices that it's ticking. Uh, and an underwater so tick. So he's like, ah, ah, got to get this off. I guess it would be it would be like that muted, like, yeah. like I can't do an impression of it. But, you know, like <laughs> everything underwater is like a little like. Muffled. Like you're wearing earmuffs or something. Yeah. <laughs> so he takes, he rips the necklace off, ties it to the mini sub. The mini sub enters the huge submarine, starts ticking away and then explodes and creates this giant explosion. A dock worker sees it from above and is like, holy crap, this huge <laughs> foom of water shooting up. Uh, Lobster Johnson is fucked up. He emerges walking up onto the shore and there are like government officials who are like, hey, buddy, we're stop. Stop right there because you're in trouble. Oh, you're not saying your usual bunch of bullshit. <laughs> and he drops a little like pea sized smoke bomb and escapes, evades them. 46 minutes later, somewhere in New Jersey, we see Lobster Johnson walking, th- emerging from the woods to see the rest of his, like, his boys. And he's like, 
what's where's the girl who they basically like went through the warehouse in Jersey, saw how fucked up everything was. They tried to retrieve her dad's body, but it's like turned to dust when they touched it. And then they're like, yeah, we just gave her some money and she wanted to just stay at the bus stop like she didn't want to take a ride or anything. Sorry about that. He's like, that's totally fine. And they're like, yeah, like there was a fucking brain with a bullet. What happened in there? And he's like, I guess. Oh, yeah. Who is behind it all? They ask him. And he says, if I had to guess, I'd say it was the devil. And it just shows a picture of. uh, What is it again? Iman Saar. You said it so good. Iman Iman Shah. I just don't have it right in front of me. And okay. Uh, Yeah. So this villain that we've seen in BPRD and Liz's dreams, I feel like a fucking asshole. I mean, he does have another name anyway. So this is uh, this is sort of an alias that we've been taught. That's just a little teaser for you. Yeah. And then he's got his like burning brand and he's uh, yeah, he's just standing there maniacally. And they're like, boss, how did you beat the devil? And then he just Lobster Johnson gives just like a stoic, stern expression and that's the end of that comic he's fucked up he's like jackets all disheveled his like goggles are cracked yeah i like the cracked goggles a lot yeah it's a good touch and he just looks like he's not you know he's not his usual boisterous self who's like screaming as he kicks down a door he's just like i got fucked up by this guy and you know it's almost, I mean, like, in his hallucination, he's sort of told that he is under this guy's spell and has to do whatever he wants him to do, which I don't think is, like, totally true, I guess, but maybe he's, like, shaken by that, where he's like, I might not be in control of my actions or something. Yeah, but it also felt like it was another, it's like another move by him that's just a lot of high flute language in order to manipulate right. a different thing. Similar with, yeah. with Jim... It was like, hey, you're you're already dead, and it was almost like that right, was just right, to get right. a, a different upper hand on him. Whereas just this, a mind fuck. Yeah, like this seems like a mind fuck in order to put the amulet that apparently was a the tiniest, largest bomb ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess the biggest, bigger explosion is the actual uh, the 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 submarine. So. Um, oh, yeah, the, like, torpedoes within the submarine would then yeah, explode, and that would create a huge explosion. But um, And the sketchbook at the end of this I thought was really awesome to see. Yes. this The sketchbook actually added to sort of my, my, uh, my sort of lukewarm uh, thoughts about this Lobster Johnson storyline. Yeah. Because um, overall, I mean, I had a fun time reading it. It feels like it... it I don't know. It felt this to me really felt closer to you know those BPRDs that we were reading before the before they they landed on Guy Davis. Yeah, it, where they're still like kind of figuring. And it there out. were a couple of those that we were sort of like, yeah, those are fun, but it just doesn't feel like, yeah, let's keep following this. Right. But, it's like I mean, I, I guess that's the thing. It's like they're going for a pulpy feel, and they do achieve that. But is that what I am into Hellboy for and not necessarily? Yeah. Like, I think that Hellboy definitely has pulp influences and, and stuff. But the cleverness of it and, like, the rereadability of it, I think, comes from Mignola giving it a modern eye and, like, a more empathetic eye through the character Hellboy. Like, Lobster Johnson, I don't really super relate to, so seeing him, like, punch and kick and blow stuff up is, like, it's totally cool and fine in its own right, but it's not something that I'm, like, super-duper excited about as opposed to seeing, like, a character that I actually, like, 
love doing all the same things. Yeah, I agree. If that makes sense. No, I think you're 100% nailing it. It also brings in some problematic shit with like, especially in the sketchbook, he talks about it. Mike Mignola uh, has like a little. Are you talking about yellow peril? <laughs> yeah, dude. While I loved Guy's coat and hat look for the villain, which was really cool. It was like this cool coat that looked like a cobra and gave him like a cobra-like silhouette. I actually love that look a lot. Me too. But for whatever reason, Mignola here says, I felt we needed to go with a more traditional, old-fashioned yellow peril costume in this story. Also, Guy's light on a stick design was great, but would have needed a couple of panels to show it off, and we just didn't have the room. So he's talking about just like the look of this character and he's implying at some point that the character is a is an English guy who's dressed like this. Yeah. In a in a way. Yeah. So it's like not even an Asian character. It's like a guy putting this on as a costume to like intimidate or, you know, it's the same shit where it's like he's he's like not really mystical. He's sort of just like using these like weird tricks to like make people hallucinate or like or manipulate somebody. So he might not even be Asian. He's like a dude. He's a British guy dressed up in his idea of what a mystical Asian guy would look like, which I guess is like, I don't know. I, I guess like Mignola's trying to make a statement about that where it's like, this guy's full of shit, so he's using this bullshit persona and and stuff as like as a way to intimidate somebody in the 30s and 40s, which I I guess is saying that it's bad, but it's like you're also using it, so it's like hard to say. It's like you're kind of towing this line of like this is kind of fucking offensive, but you know, like you know it is, and it's set in this time period where that kind of shit really did scare people and mm -hmm. did make like. Maybe your average white person was like, ooh, like the the Orient and shit like that, you yeah. know, like, you know, just like very dated, obviously wrong, like fucked up shit that a villain in a comic book might actually use. But it's like you are kind of using it for yeah. entertainment in this comic. It's like the same kind of shit with the like the swastikas and stuff like you you make Nazis look like really cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's cause that's the kind of shit where it's like, uh, how cool can we make them look before it's like, oh, you just like this aesthetic and like. You know, it, it's 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 tough. It's it's tough. Yeah, to kind of. I agree. I mean, I do think that you do deal with you're toting the line like a submarine that has Nazis that are so decorative very well versus or a submarine, sorry, that the Nazis have that's decorated in such a stylistic way versus just give them a submarine um, and let them be evil. And like the Nazis did look like they did care about they cared. You know, fucking Hugo Boss made their fucking uniforms like they had people they they cared about the look of the thing that they were doing in a way that they wanted it to be like aesthetically pleasing and good. Like, so it's weird. I, I, I don't I don't know. It, I, I, I'm not like smart enough to articulate why this makes me kind of uncomfortable, but it it kind of does. I, I think you're I think you're right on. And. Some of mine is also this to add to that is that like it, 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 I find it very interesting that like, cool, you want to like sort of harken back to an older time, right? Where mm -hmm. white people in America were afraid of of the Asian culture and saw it and they easily could turn it into a thing, a sign of evil. So like you said, you're trying to be like, well, if an English right. man it's has like a it, white person manipulating that, that, like I get I get the I get what you're doing. 
So I can, right. I can. But you never say that. We've we've seen this character for like this character's been around for years at this point, yes. And never has it been indicated that he's an English guy until this sketchbook, which isn't even like part of the actual published book. Yeah. Like unless you got the omnibus, like I'm sure there's some big reveal at some point where we do see that where it's like. I'm not an Asian guy. I'm a fraud and I'm a fucking English guy who's just fucking around over here. But I would love that reveal a little sooner because yeah, I, 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 I think you could still have this character and and have us know that if anything, like it makes the character worse, like in my mind, you know, he's like, I, I guess he wants to like what what they want to keep hiding up their sleeve is whether or not he's legitimately mystical and and. Uh, powerful in an otherworldly sense rather than some like pretty skilled sleight of hand magician mm -hmm. who doesn't have any real magic. I don't know. No. Is it worth I, doing all this bullshit? <laughs> I don't know. And I think, I, don't know. I think this totes the line of two of like, I don't have the right answer because it's like, it is being offensive, but it's also trying to be a thing where it's like, well, the character is in a sense because of his ways is supposed to be offensive because he's, do you know what I mean? Like what right. you've already said is like he's using something in a bad way. So, yeah, you could argue like, oh, he's he's supposed to be offensive. So if you are offended he's by playing that, this up. he's playing that up. He's playing into that card of like, yeah, this you're is an offensive character, this character yeah. for because yeah. that's the way this character would think. But we as the reader don't know that he's not legitimately an Asian character. Until, you know, this it's still questionable, that. just like I, 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 for being. And again, I, I can only come at it from the point of view of being a white male uh, man is like, why do I need do I need to dip into that anyway to be like, you know, the reason uh, people were scared of that um, historically. So here I'm going to like I want to play with it because that's true, but also I'm going to give it a twist to make it so I'm safe with it. Yeah, and, and I think you need to be as the, as the artist and as the writer. Maybe they should have been more explicit with why this is bad instead of just using it in a way that's like kind of just falling into the whole thing of of what like you're kind of as guilty of doing this as the character that you're trying to portray is because you're never revealing to the audience that that's part of what he's doing after years of this character existing. So. Reveal that shit faster. Yeah, because I honestly... Uh, and make a decision about this character faster and reveal it to the... Like, give your audience enough credit that they could still appreciate this character or maybe even appreciate it more if you're just saying, like, he's bad and here's here's one of the reasons why. Like, I don't give a fuck if, like... If you, like, rip the mask off the Scooby-Doo villain, that shit happened at the end of the episode, but you don't have to fucking do that... With this kind of character, you can still reveal that he's a fraud and bullshit and he could still do a lot of damage and be an intimidating, scary character. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. No, I, I, I don't think you have to. I, I, I don't yeah. think you should back off from it because I do think without that knowledge, you we a lot of times I'm just reading the book and I'm thinking I'm just like, cool, you made you made a stereotypical Asian villain. Right. Blatantly, right. that's all you did, which in your notes here say which that you, you sort of totally leaned think. into. But you didn't want to put in the part where it was somebody, a white character or an English character doing that on purpose to, to make them even more right. evil, which is like, inner, right. I, I mean, I agree, like it would be touchy and offensive to a different degree, but it would be that thing where I can just 
add onto the list of why I did like why that guy's bad and I you know and I fucked that guy. Right. Uh, I hope the lobster yeah. fucking kills him. I think that that's what they were trying to go for, and I think they kind of missed the mark a little bit with agree. how long it took them to reveal that and the manner in which they're revealing it. Which I still don't fucking know. Like if I was reading this in two thousand eight, I wouldn't have the sketchbook at the end. I would have to wait until whatever edition that this was pulled together in pub and see that it was published, or I would have to wait for them to reveal it in the story, however they do it, but they haven't done it yet. Even at the end of this, you don't, you don't know he's a fucking English guy. Yeah. It's just the fucking sketchbook that was published whenever the fuck this uh, compiled edition was published. But yeah, I'm with you on that because yeah. I, I think it's just a sign of sort of like us being a little more savvy in the sense of like me being like a white writer and being you like... You definitely see the age of this shit. I mean, yeah. this isn't... It's it's 12 years old and you can really see shit has like we've come a long way in a short time. Well, I would agree. I think, you know, if I was say I was to try to write something and knowing my position and knowing that I'm a white male and I'm writing something, I would either, like you said, make it very clear that this is an English man doing a terrible thing. Or if I am going to have an, for example, if I'm going to have a character that's that is of a different race uh, a person of color that is of uh, that is sort of toting that line of like into stereotype honestly i think i'd either i would either not do it or i don't know how else to do, other than say this 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 is also to me feels problematic for me to say this is i'd be like i need to get a person of color working on the damn project so that, that that thing yeah, can, you need to have can somebody's have an fucking authentic input. fucking point of view on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it, it reminds yeah. me of Doctor Strange, the movie Doctor Strange, which I actually really liked. But Tilda Swinton's character got a lot of guff. And I'm not going to say it's not rightly so sure. for being the mystic in it that teaches Doctor Strange. And I have listened to interviews of the white director who was like, I was trying to avoid these th- these stereotypes And then we ended up, you know, walking into another different sort of mess. And I was like, hey, at least. Right. It's like you can't just it's like, I mean, yeah, it's like you're taking your the influence is so clear that you can't just take these of these elements and like pick and choose what you want from it and then be like, oh, well, I wasn't trying to be stereotypical. You're fucking using all these things that are that originate like these ideas, like a lot of like Eastern philosophy and, and shit like that. You're trying to incorporate into this like, oh, it's just like the whole world had this like secret magical thing. And it's like it could totally be Tilda Swift. Like, not really, dude. Like these are these ideas. It's people in, in people now know where ideas like that originate. They know like people are savvy to that shit. It's not like you can just say this is a made up organization like we know what fucking influenced that stuff. Yeah, totally. It's, you can't you can't separate them. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's a tricky place to to play. Um, I do think people. I think it's gonna be a thing where you're as creators, you just have to be open to being, going the extra mile to make sure. I, and I, and again, I can't speak to what that extra mile is on everything because I think it's different for every project. But you have to go the extra mile right. to make sure to avoid things and to honor things in the right way. And again, every project's yeah. going to be different. So I can't, I don't think there is just a simple solution. But you should be mindful. I think that's it. That I think, yeah. Yeah, be mindful. I, and like, the, you know, 
they're trying to they're calling back this uh pulp genre and they're doing it in a way that is glorifying the pulp genre and being like these elements of pulp are really fun and cool pulp comics also were fucking saturated with racism so we're gonna bring that back too because it's a many faceted thing it's like not fucking really like why like why bring back this one thing and glorify it this one aspect of the thing and glorify it and make it look cool and also bring back this other bad element of it the racist shit And not not highlight it in such a way that's like, this is fucking bad. In the sketchbook here, the notes next to this character say British guy dressing as Asian, parentheses, Sean Connery in Japanese makeup. Uh, then there's another note, open fan, uh, fan something. I can't totally read that. Open fan co- cowl, I think. Like this sort of like... Uh, um collar that's around his neck mm-hmm. um like ming the merciless or the yellow claw so we see who you're fucking referencing like you gotta you gotta say you gotta really take a hard stance on this is fucking bad or you're just leaning into it and using it the same exact way that that somebody in the fucking 30s and 40s did it and if you're doing that then that shit's fucking dumb that's yeah, dumb we, we don't want it i agree yeah, I don't want it. I think that's why it's like not as enjoyable. The elements that they're bringing from pulp aren't the one like like you can't bring all of it back. It's fu- parts of it went away for a fucking reason. Parts of it are fucking dumb and don't age well for a reason. Yeah, I can only agree. I can only agree. I don't know. That, that I think that's why I'm so stuck on this like there are really cool parts of this story, but I think that it's just not and I really love like other design elements like the other sketchbook stuff in here. I thought it was really cool. Like it's interesting to see Mignola like making his suit and like how he has to have he has to see how it articulates and how it works and shit and like all of their like background stuff was really cool and the monster design and shit but it's like you're you're enjoying all these things from old timey comics and that's great but you got to kind of acknowledge in your storytelling the bad shit too i I don't know i think that's why i'm so like kind of bumping against this whole run like these whole five issues i i mean i'm i again i don't disagree with you at all i can only add i mean i'll add one thing to that I just thought overall, and this is beyond just even those things, is I just felt through this whole run, the story elements just felt so cluttered. It felt like there were, again, Nazis in this character, in backstory for the bigger universe of Mignola's universe with Hyporia and all that. Everything just seems, everything already seemed to be clumping into each other. Like, I honestly was like... I, as I read this before the recording again, I, I was very like, I was very like just sort of laughing to myself of like how much they just sort of r- tried to wrap. They tried to tie everything off at the end and then leave a it's little. It's like a bad li- Harold ending. Yeah. Like to, to make it all about improv. God. Like I hate You know, that it's like when you're trying way like, too hard. Like there was a part of me that was like, I don't understand how in BPRD and Hellboy storylines could end and they'd have open, they'd have a lot of open-endedness to them. And it didn't bother yeah. me because it was like, well, they, they the simple story got finished, but you could leave doors yeah. open to me. This one was like, literally, we had to be like, 
we got to let the readers know that that girl's not coming back, that that woman's not coming back. And it was like, I didn't need any of that. Just fucking let her be saved and move on. And it felt. That doctor didn't need a daughter. He didn't need a daughter. That's a superfluous character. Like there's like, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think it feels as opposed to these other stories that have satisfying endings, even while they leave a door open for like, we don't know what happened. Like, that feels more real. Like in a lot of like real life things, there's elements of it where you're like, well, we don't know what happened to X, Y, Z. And that's fine. Like I can rest easy. This is just they're trying to wrap it up so much that it is super ham fisted and like uh, uncharacteristically. So I think like Mignola, his storytelling otherwise is like so fucking on point and great. And then in this, there's just so many elements that I feel like they were just trying. Yeah. Like you said, like they're trying. This is like they're 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 like illustrating the index. They're like trying to like <laughs> have a glossary of like this is this character in his backstory. And and this is what how he's involved with this BPRD shit. And it's like it's like it feels like a. I, I think I said in the other ish- episodes, but like a footnote like. a Yeah, it feels like it's trying to have a, a, a an entertaining way to inform us and to inform us about the bigger, better other stories of BPRD and Hellboy. So it's like, you can kind of ignore this. It's not like necessarily required reading, but it's, yeah, I I don't know, man. I I don't know. There's just, there's for yet. I think to simply put it, there's, there was just too much. And I think it really comes back to what you've already stated, Kate. I, and we might've, we've talked about it maybe every episode of this, this, these, this comic books run or this storyline is I think they wanted so hard to play, to be like, well, it's Lobster Johnson. It has to be pulpy. And it was very much, Yeah. I, I think that first storyline that we were introduced to Lobster Johnson, that one little storyline, captured that yeah. pulpiness in a fresher, more like inspired by it way versus this yeah. trying so hard. Mignola is trying so hard to be a pulp book that I just was like, yeah, you succeeded, but now I lost everything I love about your universe. I think too, that there's another layer here where he's like, he's giving us these little things at the end of each issue where it's like, Oh, lobster Johnson was portrayed in pop culture in these ways, in these pulpy ways. And that was wrong. It wasn't really like what really happened, which was way more gritty. Like there are so many meta levels to this shit that could that be it's cool kind of like you're you're drowning in it a little bit though it's like fo- you gotta streamline this story make it about one thing give us your usual patient pacing instead of trying to get all of this stuff in that like in the sketchbook they couldn't even open his fucking light they didn't have enough panels to explain how this contraption works with the light with the hood that looks like a cobra he's like we didn't have the space it's like if you don't have the space for that maybe fucking take some shit out yeah i don't know i feel like you could publish another book that's like about these different things i i i I don't know i agree and i mean uh, too much too Too much much. and also or just not delved in like i've already said it i feel like a broken record about this story but those the true history of lobster johnson felt like very like very like badly written like BuzzFeed articles about this character that are sort of just surface level versus like a true in-depth article that's sort of like an Alan Moore or other writers that would like 
give you like this this it's an interesting idea it's a great idea for this to make but like they didn't yeah i wanted like an excerpt from one of them versus just a disc yeah. a list in a sense of like he appeared in these things versus i wanted an excerpt yeah that's all i wanted yeah <laughs> take the time and do yeah. do that extra work where you write an actual uh, prose for the, the lobster johnson novel and i would love that 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 yeah. gave us a hint at like oh there's a reason why this character is so mysterious and no one knows his backstory. Yeah, I, I, I guess the best way to put it is missed opportunities. I guess just should have this should have been this should have been three different stories, fifteen issues instead of five issues where you're trying to jam in three storylines. Yeah, I think you're right. I felt it a little discouraging going through the hand the the, the sketchbook, and I, I and they, I'm I'm reading into this a lot. I'll admit. We have Jason Armstrong who's given this job, and I think he did a. I liked. I like Jason Armstrong's look. I think he's a solid uh, comic book artist. But I found it very oh, interesting yeah. that Mignola brought in Guy Davis to do a lot of the design work. That Jason pretty much seems yeah. through the notes in here, pretty much had to be like, well, Guy did this, and then now I have to pretty much in my style do what Guy did for the book. And right. just gleaming off of those notes and that process, that seems like a terrible way to fucking make the book. <laughs> yeah, it makes me wonder what their thoughts were like. I don't know how many other projects Jason Armstrong worked on for for BPRD or for Magnolia. I think this might this. be his only one. I I I want to double check yeah. while we're talking about it, but I I feel like there's no. I feel like this is it, but I could be wrong. Because I feel like Arcudi and other people take over Lobster Johnson. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if maybe I'm it looking wasn't at right the smoothest now, uh, process um, of working together. Yeah, the wiki, it shows that Armstrong's only credit is this. Um, I, I also thought it was interesting. He says in the sketchbook uh, part of it, at one point in time, I think Scott wanted to just print my roughs as the final comic. Like, it seems like they're not on the same page, <laughs> like for a bit of it. They wanted to just pump this out, maybe, or I, I don't know. And you could kind of feel it. It doesn't feel like your usual BPRD, like, solid issue, you know? Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I do so want to say this. Not to shit it. Like, there's a lot of really cool shit with this, but there's a lot of shit that doesn't work for me. And I it just makes me just look all the more forward to getting back to BPRD and the main Hellboy story. 100% lines. agree. And I do want to give you a shout out, which I loved when I read the notes in the in the sketchbook. Because when we first saw the, the the suit, the VES, you were like, this looks like old Iron Man, okay? And that's exactly what it, he says in here. It literally says, from the Mignola note, one of my all-time favorite old-school super suits is the original Iron Man. And I found it hard as hell to come up with a suit that wasn't too much like it. <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of, like, Kirby influence For sure. on shit in this whole, yeah. I think, too, also, real quick, about back to uh, uh, our villain, that the 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 sketch where you had the notes next to him that said like the open found the merciless and the yellow claw he looks like Razal Ghoul in that yeah <laughs> totally like, I bet if they wonder they're like oh that looks too much like Raz yeah which also fucking played by Liam Neeson well but he was also fucking... originally a Batman character before that just so you know oh yeah 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 I think he looks more oh, like yeah. the comic book character in that the traditional sense. Which is also probably, yeah. if you look at Roz, he's sort of, you know, problematic in that way since they like, he yeah. definitely has it's that the same shit. and two shit. Um, yeah, for sure. But 
I think that really covers it for us. I'm glad we read it. Yeah, I'm, same. I'm excited as you to get back to the normal run of the BPRD and Hellboy. I'm very curious because I've never read it. I, w- I am curious to see what when we eventually get to it, how lobster, what the Lobster Johnson under our cootie will be like. Totally, yeah. It's yeah. It's not like I want to um, throw this character out or anything. I just think that there's this wasn't my favorite story, I guess, and I I still look forward to seeing other iterations of the same character. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> just I hope they're the yeah. the, the, the future. I hope the future iterations are more clean stories that aren't that don't feel so clunky or jam packed, aka rushed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and have convenient plot moments where. A brand is a bomb. <laughs> is a bomb. <laughs> yeah, that part is pretty funny. Very funny. And him like chasing a submarine and shit. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> you know, it's all. It's like who cares? It's a comic book. Yeah, very true. We, I mean, again, fun. Fun is the best. The best. The best I can give it is fun. Fun read. But I'm glad to be done, and I will move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'd love to hear from you, listeners. Um, you can tell that we have our very passionate thoughts about this read of the Iron Prometheus. So we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Um, whether those are in agreement, whether those are counter to us, because those counter, those counter um, point of views are very valuable. So we would. Yeah, we might be missing something or, yeah, I would love to hear what everybody thinks about this one. Yeah. And you can do so by um, emailing us at awcrap, a hellboy podcast at gmail.com. And Again, you can continue to follow us on Instagram at Podcast, Twitter Hellboy. Um, if you do comment on there, of course, we'll respond. We just don't discuss um, anything that we correspond with typically from the social media on the website. But the emails is directly how you can get on the site or excuse me, on the, the show. <laughs> Onto the podcast. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> we appreciate hearing all of your guys' thoughts and corrections for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and please, once again, if you can, go out of your way. Go on to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. If that review starts with the word boom, we'll give you a big old shout-out and read your review right here on the show. We call that Boom Reviews. Yeah. And, you know, share the podcast however you can with your friends. Um, if you have a format that allows you to rank us, outside of the Apple Podcast, do so. We really appreciate that. But that is it. That is the end of the Iron Prometheus um, Chapter 5. We'll be back uh, with more BPRD when we return. Um, That's what's coming up next. Exciting. (laughs) But thank you again, everyone out there, for listening. And remember... We love you! Um, yeah, hold on. Sorry, I'm pulling it up. My <laughs> computer's being it's all good. slow, and we'll just take this out so that we get more boom reviews. <laughs> so people think we're not fucking around and fucking up. Not warranting five stars. Hear ye, hear ye. Aw, oh, crap, a Hellboy podcast listeners. Are you ready for a promo? Let's do yoga. 
Let's get fit. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Muriel. And we're the hosts of Hella in, in Your Thirties. A podcast about a cool couple trying to do adult stuff. So each week we invite you to join us as we try to learn things we should probably already know, like how does a stock market work? Can we install that bidet? Why are all of our houseplants dying? This is a podcast for people of all ages, because remember... Age ain't nothing but a number. But being Hella in Your Thirties? is a state of mind. So tomorrow's a new day. Let's order pizza. Campfire.